Welcome to another episode of the Mouth of the South podcast. I am your host, Darian Gray, and as the name may suggest, I am the Mouth of the South. Thank you guys for going on this journey with me, and we're going into week four. That's right, we're going, I guess, not quite a quarter because the new season is 17 weeks, but about a quarter, the usual quarter mark of the season when I think we start getting a more clear view of what all the teams around the league are. You look at teams like Arizona, you look at teams like the Saints, you look at teams like Kansas City, I think, not so much the Saints, I think you expected them to be 2-1, and one, maybe not looking how they look to get to 2-1, and one, but I just named three teams just to say these guys are surprises. Around week four, it's like, okay, you're starting to get a gauge of who they are. And if the Chiefs lose week four, they're still the Chiefs, so I'm not about to count them out. However... Look at teams like the Vikings, the Bengals. Those are teams where not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what the Bengals are, but I hope they're really good. But you guys didn't come on here to hear about the Bengals and the Vikings and my other stuff <laughs> or how I feel about other teams around the league. You came in here to hear about the Saints. You came in here to hear about the Saints versus Giants matchup. And we're going to start it off with a quote of the week, even though we kind of started it off with a tangent, but... We're going to start off the episode for real, for real, when we get things kick-started with our quote of the week. There is no person I'm quoting for this. It's just ain't no place like home, man. We've all heard that cliche. There is no place like home, but that is so true. And the New Orleans Saints return to the Caesar. I guess it's kind of their first time being there at the, under the new uh, title of it, but they return to the Superdome for the first time with full capacity fans, and that is a huge deal. I will touch on that later, man, but there is no place like home. I remember driving back from college and just hitting the neighborhood or hitting my neighborhood and just being like, dang, the air kind of smell different. Like, just something different about being home when you've been away for so long, and the Saints have been away for so long. But before we get into this one against the Giants, let's get into the last one versus the Patriots. I didn't recap that episode. I knew I was going to leave pretty early. So I was going out of town and I'm going to drop this podcast on Thursday. So let's go through the good, bad, and ugly real quick of the last matchup. And then we're going to get into this week before we uh, get up out of here. So the good is another dominant performance. I almost want to call it the great, the great, bad, and ugly. That's what we're calling it. Another dominant performance by the Saints defense. I think Marshawn showed up against Aguilar who a lot of people might not have thought he would have showed up against, and I think that's just proven he's turning the corner. Another person showing out after getting the contract. AK did it. Michael Thomas did it. And now it's Marshawn's turn. So, showed up against Aguilar. Mac Jones was under pressure almost all day, almost every time he dropped back. I want to say nearly half the time it felt like he was under pressure. The Saints forced three turnovers, word to Kyle Brandt including the late-game interception for Marshawn, which he deserved after his performance in his two games that he played. Of course, he missed a Week 2 matchup against the Panthers. But shadowing Devontae Adams and uh, shutting down Nelson Aguilar, he deserved that interception late game. The bad is the offense still not really moving the ball that well. Two of the Saints' touchdowns came on defensive plays. One was a pick six. The other was an interception that led to uh that was returned back to the nine yard line excuse me 
of course, a couple of missed field goals by Rosas had had the score looking a little different. Maybe if the Saints scored two touchdowns, two field goals while driving down the field, we might look at the offense a little bit different. However, it also just never felt fluid. It always felt like it was kind of a start and stop. You know, you just kind of, it's like in a car where you keep putting your foot on the gas and brake, gas, brake, gas, brake. That's kind of how it felt with the Saints. I would like to see more third and shorts, you know. And then the ugliest to Ron Armstead's injury. And this has been a problem for him uh, throughout his career. But in the last couple of years, he's been really healthy. He's been really durable. Man, it just kind of sucks. Like, honestly, there's no profound or intelligent way to say it. Man, it sucks to see him have to go through this again, especially on a play like that where he was blocking the guy and Tony Jones Jr. not blaming him at all. But Tony Jones Jr. came over and he went to help out, end up hitting uh, Armstead's elbow. And now he sees out three to six weeks possibly. And James Hurt came in and he, Hurst, excuse me, came in and he filled admirably. However, you can't replace. It's not easy. It's impossible to replace a player of the caliber of Teron Armstead without literally going to get Trent Williams and put him on the team, you know, without going against guys, going to get, get, get guys like that. Unfortunately, you know, the Saints are going to have to deal with it. It just is the worst timing with McCoy also being down. It just is a terrible timing. But overall, we're hoping that Armstead gets healthy, not just for this team, but just in general. So, his injury brings me to the conclusion of the last episode or the last matchup, excuse me, and into this episode, which is the matchup against the New York Giants. And the first thing that I would like to see is Will Clapp. And this doesn't even so much have to do with Will Clapp or Cesar Ruiz's play on the field so far. I'll say it like that. This has to do with the fact that I wanted to benefit Cesar Ruiz. And say what you want about Ruiz and how he's played on the field. Say whatever you want because this is not even going that direction. He's not supposed to be your center. And I don't care that he was a center in college and that you think that he would transition well to center in the professional, uh, in a professional standpoint. No, that does not matter because he is a guard in this New Orleans Saints system. He will be a guard when McCoy comes back because he has not played well enough to create some sort of controversy controversy, or say, hey, I should take his spot. He hasn't showed up and done that. And that would have been big if he would have done that because you look at McCoy, this dude is looked at as one of the best centers or a guy who can become one of the best centers in the NFL. So for you to take this opportunity that was his injury and flip it and make it to where this guy has to now change positions, you would have to play exceptionally. So because I know that he hasn't, and that's no knock, I know that Ruiz is going to be a guard. If Will Clapp was healthy, Will Clapp would have been a center. This is per Peyton, not just my opinion. This is per Peyton. So now that Will Clapp has been activated from the injured reserve, let's go ahead and put him at center and let's shift Ruiz over to guard so that he can get comfortable. He finally got comfortable after an offseason, and I'm not making no kind of excuses for his play as center. However, I just know that where he's going to be is where he needs to be right now so that he can feel comfortable there. So that's why I want to see Will Clapp come back. Will Lutz is the other guy I want to come back, and he hasn't been activated from the uh, 
injured reserve so far. Need that Traquan Smith. But man, I can't do it. I can't do it. Will uh Wilson, Williard, William, uh whatever your will is short short for. You know, I need you, man. I miss you. Will Lutz, I miss you, man. Because I was hoping that that the NFL would do something crazy and allow the Saints to just bring a guy off an IR uh status halfway through the third and final game where he had to be on IR. And I just don't trust Rosas, man. I looked him in his face right before the third, uh, the 36-yard field goal. I said, I don't trust this guy. And I watched him miss that 36-yard field goal. And no, I don't think I spoke into, it ex- into existence. I just think I looked at him, and he did not look confident in what he was about to do. And I knew, I, I, how can I feel comfortable if you don't feel confident? I can see it on your face, and you're wearing a helmet. But I can read through your face mask. You're taking deep, heavy sighs. It just didn't. It just it didn't instill confidence into me. So, I want big nuts, Lutz back. Probably won't happen. I'll settle for Jake Verity. I'll settle, you know. But uh, Rosas, man, he he's not he's not making me happy right now. Bring a kicker in. He don't need to be a part of the game plan. He just need to have his leg fresh. I would also like to see some more work from the tight ends. I'm not gonna dive deep into that, but. Adam Troutman, where you at, man? Uh, Jawan Johnson, you haven't really done too much these last two games either. We were hype on you after the first game. Let's see some more of that. Nick Vanette, come on, let's get healthy, buddy. This ain't, I ain't even no knock on you. You ain't did anything for me to go either way on it. Uh, come on, but really Troutman, really Troutman. Because I was really hesitant about trading the amount of picks to get to pick Troutman. It wasn't even just who he was. It was just the amount of picks they invested to trade up to get him i was already skeptical before he was even picked but a lot of people hyped him up and said it was worth it you got to prove that that investment was worth it i would like to see that now for my three matchups though <laughs> aziz ojalari versus ramcheck slash hurst and i say that because he lines up on the right side usually but hurst is there and he's replaced replacing armstead so we'll see Bojelari is not only a guy that I wanted in the draft, he was a guy who immediately came to mind when we picked Peyton Turner because I didn't know who Peyton Turner was. Now, I think that both the Saints and the Giants are happy with how things turned out for them. And I know that Ojalari is not the type of end that the Saints want. He's slimmer, bendier. It's not the Saints' build or prototype that they like to get. Whatever, I can hope. I can hope, right? Um, but honestly, man, I could have used Turner versus Peyton Turner, that is, versus Andrew Thomas. Both are really interesting matchups, but I decided to focus on Ojalari because we will probably say Peyton Turner versus somebody else in the future. We might not see Ojalari for, for four more years. Um, I like the guy. He's fast. He's really quick. He's shown the ability to use his hands in the NFL, not just in college. He's been able to use his hands well to get sacks. He has three sacks in three games, eight pressures as well. So he's getting to the quarterback on a consistent basis, and he's also finishing on a consistent basis. So when you look at his first two sacks of the season, they were more so cover sacks against the Broncos and Washington. They were more so cover sacks where he showed the fact that he had a big motor. But then you look in his Atlanta game, and it was a quick sack, forced to fumble. 
I think Atlanta recovered it, but he still forced the fumble. It was a strip sack. I don't think the Saints should feel any sort of solace either in seeing that, oh, well, his sacks came off of coverage or they took a little while to develop. A, he still has a crazy motor. B, the Saints have shown the tendency to hold the ball. I mean, that that does not instill confidence. If you hold the ball, you're going to have a better chance of getting sacked, whether that's because nobody's open, whether that's because Jameis isn't pulling the trigger, whatever the the reason behind holding the ball is, I don't think that'll matter to the defensive end when he's ready to, to feast and get a sack. It won't matter to him. So this will be something to watch. All of his sacks came from the offense's right side, which is Ramchek. But like I said at the beginning, Hurst is in for Armstead. So it wouldn't be shocking to see him fill in there and say, oh, Ojolari is going to move over here because he's been our best pass rusher. Even as a rookie, even three games in, he's been our best pass rusher. Let's put him in a spot and test James Hurst to see if he can deal with his speed. He hasn't shown the ability to wreck games. It's not what I'm worried about, but it'll be very interesting to see where they place him for the majority of his time and if he can continue his streak of one sack a game. I'd love to see it. Um, My second matchup to watch, Demario Davis versus Saquon Barkley. Demario Davis is the heart of this team. That goes for the defense as well. He's the heart of the defense. The defense is the heart of the team making him the heartbeat of the team. And you could see it. You can honestly see it in the way that his pregame speeches go. It was just very clear because when Drew was out, he gave a different type of fire. No disrespect. It's really, uh, I don't really want to say it's a sense of like preference. It's just different. It's just different when you look at how DeMario delivers it. And I honestly think it was a perfect changing of the guard because no matter how the offense looked, Drew Brees was always going to be the face of this team. He was always going to be the identity and the heartbeat of the team as long as he was here. But with him not being here and DeMario giving these speeches and the defense being the thing that carries the team right now, I think it was perfect. I think it is a perfect transition into a new era. And he's honestly played like an all-pro this year. He has been absolutely lights out. Since Quan went down in, in week one, you have not been able to miss DeMario at any point in the game. You look at the game against Carolina where, not to pick on the guy, but Zach Bond was not doing that well against Christian McCaffrey. So in response, Dennis Allen tells DeMario to cover him. He lets up a catch, but he's significantly closer. There's no yards after catch, and it's a hard catch to make. He's still running around, making plays in the running game. You look at this past week, he had a couple of plays that really stood out. Two pass deflections. He had uh, a screen pass that he diagnosed so beautifully, and he shot between the linemen to take it down for a loss. Demario Davis... There's, I can go on and on. DeMario Davis has three pass deflections this year in three games. Other than in 2019, his all-pro season, other than that season, the most he has ever hit is five in a whole season. That 2019 season, he had 12. But other than that, the, the most he had was five pass deflections. He's already at three right now. 
He's trending much closer to that 12 than that 5. And that just is a showcase of how good he has played this year. And I got him going against Saquon Barkley because, you know, Saquon got really close to 100 total scrimmage yards last year or last game. But he's only averaging 3.4 yards per carry over the season. The Giants' offensive line isn't that good, and there should be a lot of opportunities for Davis to neutralize Barkley. But one thing that was interesting is that Barkley got more involved than he had all season in the passing game. And this is one week removed from where he had a very explosive carry against Washington. These things could be signs that he's starting to feel better and better. And we know what he is when he's healthy. He's a really talented back. It could be a sign that he's starting to feel better and better from his ACL injury. And I don't think that he's going to go off on the Saints. I don't think that at all. I actually think in all these matchups I'm lining up, the Saints should have the advantage. It's just about making sure that you have the advantage. So he leaped into the, uh, into the, into the end zone for his first touchdown. Another explosive move. So, hey, he could be feeling better, but I still think that DeMario has a leg up in this competition between these two guys. But it'll be fun to watch them going at it. He, I don't think Saquon's going to run routes for real. So, it'd be more so about sticking with him. And I don't think it'd be as difficult as it was if he was guarding a Camara or a McCaffrey. And the last matchup is Kenny Galladay versus Marshawn Lattimore. Because the Giants will be down their top two corners, I mean top two receivers due to hamstrings. And it's a shame that I can say that because Kenny Galladay is supposed to be the top guy on this team. He just has not played like it or had the stats like it going far, going this far. He was third in receiving going into week three. But then Sterling Shepard and uh, Darius Slayton went down with hamstrings. And I know that the Saints have a history of Guys not practicing all week and then playing on Sunday. And usually I count them in. I don't count them out. I count them in. But call me naive. But hamstrings aren't usually things you just bounce right back from. And I have not heard good things. They could come back and play. But I guess I will choose to be naive. And I will decide that, hey, I'm going to say that Darius Slayton and Sterling Shepard aren't playing this week. So that puts all the spotlight on Kenny Galladay well guess who will be covering Kenny Galladay another guy who just like DeMario is playing like an all pro and the guy has been showing out I told you he got a late game interception and I've said all these things do I need to say his name the Marsh Marshawn Lattimore um I've been waiting for him to really show out so I can drop that nickname I'm sure I'm not the first person who, who has said it however I would like to say I've been saying this since probably his rookie or his second year. I just did not have a podcast at the time to call him the Marsh. And last year, I was spending a lot of time focusing on some negative aspects. But the Marsh has returned. Some people call him Lockdown Lattimore. I like the Marsh because I haven't heard anyone else say it. So it makes me feel original. But man, look, Galladay's the guy. Lattimore's been sticky. And I don't just mean in not allowing catches, but also yards after the catch. They just have not been there for guys. Look for, for Lattimore's hot streak to continue because so far, Kenny Galladay has been a disappointment in New York. He'll get a lot more targets. I mean, 
he got eight two weeks ago, but I think he'll get even more. Kadarius Tony might get involved more out of necessity. But as far as Galladay goes, his biggest highlight this year has been yelling at Daniel Jones on primetime television. So I'm looking for Lattimore to continue the hot streak of playing really, really well and shutting down Galladay and hopefully disrupting the rhythm of Daniel Jones throwing the, the, throwing the football because you're taking out the top guy that he has and forcing a lot of checkdowns to Saquon Barkley, which leads to the one I said earlier, and that's the Mario versus Saquon, where I think the Saints also have the advantage. Take out Galladay, force him to his check down, where DeMario Davis should be closing really fast. And that is a way to take out the Giants from their rhythm. Then two storylines. I said I was going to talk about it. The Saints are returning home. Um, after last week's game versus New Orleans, I mean against New England, the Saints returned to New Orleans for the first time in nearly a month. You know, it, you could see the desire to get there. Everybody was happy to be back. There is no place like home. Remember what I said about the air in the neighborhood just being different. It's just something you feel when you're home. You listen to Alvin Kamara when they were in uh, Arlington or they were in Fort Worth. He, th he was thankful. He was glad that they allowed the Saints to use their facilities. However, he was talking about how he wants to be home. It's just not home. They asked him about going to New Orleans after the New England game. Soon as he done talking to these people, he got on the plane via him. He was excited to get back home. Seen someone on uh, Twitter the other day where he tried to go to this restaurant 15 minutes after it closed and the owner had to run out and say, no, that's Alvin Kamara. Y'all going to let him in here. Home field advantage is a real thing. And the Saints got it in bundles, especially this week. For the first time, a full capacity crowd in over a year. This is going to be something to really watch. Because we've seen since Ida hit, they went from Arlington to, to, uh, to Jacksonville. And they had a home game in Jacksonville. Their home opener was in Jacksonville. No, the Saints have seven home games this year. And this is number one. Another storyline to watch out for is a possible tune-up game for the offense and hopefully not a tune-up game for the New York defense. Neither one of these two units have performed especially well this year. Um, you want the Saints to improve. I'm sure that people in New York want the Giants to improve. They got onto a better streak holding the Falcons to 17 points. But overall, you're looking at Jameis. You're looking at Marquez Callaway. Deontay Harris, I wish we were looking at Traquan Smith just so you could have more of the receivers that Jameis will actually be throwing to. Um, and, like, you play this game right, your offense start firing all cylinders. Washington has shown to be susceptible. The pass rush has not been the same. You're firing all cylinders. You go into the bye week, you start getting healthy. You come out against Seattle, have more players, and hope that you can fire on more cylinders. Hopefully Mike is back. Hopefully this is a tune-up game for the Saints. The wide receivers have struggled. The O-line has struggled. Run blocking and pass blocking. Defense hasn't been great for the Giants. Something's got to budge. Somebody has to have a decent performance. We can't just watch disgusting football. I will not take it. And I don't think we will. Somebody will look better. And it's going to be a process with Jameis. Only very clear. I don't think we're going to come and snap your fingers and you're going to have 2011 breeze. That's not how this works. I just want the process to continue to trend forward. I'm not giving up on Jameis. 
I just wanted to trend forward. So the passing game getting better does not just mean airing it out 50 yards in the air three, four times in the game. It just means being more fluid, not having to get into third and longs as much. Let me get some more third and shorts consistently. And I don't care to break down player by player, facet of the game, the facet of the game. We're week four. All that matters right now is that you can move the ball. All those other intricacies and all the, those other specifics will come into play later on down the stretch once you've figured out how you're going to move the ball. This is how I want to move the ball. Somebody's going to try to stop me. Now I need to figure out other ways. But right now, the Saints have to find a way to move the ball consistently. And then lastly, my key to victory is you may have to weather an early storm out of the Giants because they're, a one in, they're an 0-3, excuse me, they're an 0-3 ball club who I think will be desperate. They've heard the talk. They're in New York. You know New York is killing them. I don't even have to live there. I don't even have to live there because I know how, how New York is, and they've sucked. The Jets suck, okay? These guys are not good this year. So I know they hear the talk. I've actually got a text Chris staying in New York. Man, y'all go check out the Straight Up Saints podcast as well if you haven't. Um, I got to hear what, the, what New York media is saying about the Giants right now. I should have done that before I got on the mic, but neither here nor there. But um, another thing that I know they heard is Jason Garrett is a bad play caller. And more specifically, or more importantly, rather, Joe Judge is not a guy they want to play for. That's what people are hearing. And this week, I think we'll see if it's true. I've heard it more and more. This is the same guy who had the team running laps at training camp, and it was okay. I excused it, at least. I'm going to say it was okay because I thought the guys were bought in. If you're bought in, ah, it's not the greatest thing in the world, but okay, whatever. You get past it. But if they're not bought in, that's the kind of thing that make you hate, hate, a, hate a coach. And here's the problem with a lot of Bill Belichick disciples. They think they're Bill. Or they try to be Bill. It's one of the two. Maybe even one and the same, honestly. Trying to do the things you've seen Bill do, but you don't have the self-awareness to realize that you're not Bill. You don't have six Super Bowls. Matt Patricia is a prime example of that. You think because you were connected to Bill Belichick that all of a sudden people are going to respect you like Bill Belichick. But that's not how it works. You want everybody to run laps? Show me these Super Bowls that you're winning for us because you're not, so you're not going to command that respect. You don't have the culture built. You come in and try to have, you try to interact or act like you are already at the, the precipice and you have built up this culture, but you haven't. Bill built a culture and it was substantiated by winning three rings and then winning three more rings. That's how you were able to act the way that he acts and people still follow you. But when you don't win, you go 1-7 to begin the, begin the season last year. You go 0-3 to begin the season this year. And you play in the worst division in football. So, yes, you have a chance to get into the playoffs. I doubt that this year because the Cowboys actually look really good. But when you stumble into having a chance because your division is just so terrible, don't think the players didn't realize that. 
So when you're a hard ass and you want everybody to run laps and do push-ups, you're not going to get received like your Bill Belichick. But this week, it'll tell me a lot. If, this, if the Giants really like their coach, they'll come out and they'll play super hard for him. And if that's the case, the Saints will have to weather an early storm. However, there's a, there's, there's a great impact from, from playing inspired. But if you're the Giants, you're looking at a team in the Saints that's also inspired because it's the first time they've been able to have a game back in their city and not because they just didn't schedule it. The game was taken away from them by, by you know, natural disaster. I'm not saying the NFL did it. But for reasons outside of the Saints' control and not just scheduling, the Saints have not been able to play in front of their fans. So, yes, you might be playing for your coach, but like DeMario says, the Saints are playing for the city. And that's just a fact of the matter. So I think the Saints will be able to weather the storm because they have something to play for as well. So there you have it. Those are my three matchups, my two storylines, and my one key to victory to knocking off the New York Giants. I don't pick the Saints. I don't even bet. I don't pick anything. I'm not picking the Giants either, but I'm not picking anything because it's just never worked out for me. I picked the pack, uh, the Panthers game in the favor of the Saints, and we lost. And I said, you know what? That's why I don't pick, but I do podcast, and you should check me out. I'll be back next week. Got a really good guest for you guys. I can't wait to share it with you guys, man. But y'all know the drill. So the next time y'all hear me, it's been the mouth of the South. Beneath, blessed.